Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a great week. You know, I know it was a very wild weather week, at least in the U.S. We've had hurricanes. We've had torrential downpours at Burning Man, mudslides, all kinds of stuff. And we're getting ready to watch bad weather back on our television because The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is back this week. And I think I'm ready for it. I do. Every time that we get towards the end of a Salt Lake season, I'm feeling kind of down about the franchise because they don't feel like they're actual friends. And it seems so built on alliances and games. And that's not that fun for me to watch. I want like authentic friendships. But I'm hoping that with season four, these women having been on seasons one, two, and three together, maybe some of them have actually forged authentic friendships, even if it didn't start out that way. And so that's my hope for the season. I want to actually see women who engage with each other and care about each other, not just shade each other, if that makes sense. Of course, we've had a lot of shocking news in the Bravo world this week. Carl and Lindsay broke off their engagement. That was not something that I or I think most viewers saw coming. You know, I know a lot of people are looking to the last season and saying, oh, Danielle was right or Paige was right. I think they could have been right that maybe Carl and Lindsay weren't the right match for each other, or maybe they were moving too quickly, or maybe they hadn't solved some really important issues that need to be dealt with before you embark on a life together. But I still feel like the way that the cast handled their relationship was so cruel and unkind. And I feel strongly about that. So even if Danielle was right, I still believe that you can only bring up concerns to a friend so many times. If they're telling you that they're happy, you just need to let it go. And then if something like this happens and the you know relationship falls apart, then then you can be there for them. And it's not helpful. What is she what is Danielle going to say? I told you so. You know, no friend would want to say that during this kind of time. So I thought I would have more updates on the Carl and Lindsay drama by now, but everything that I recorded with Blake earlier still seems to be the case. No one has, at least up until Saturday night, (laughs) come out with any statements or, you know, we haven't really heard much else. We have heard that there was some drama and physical altercation at the Vanderpump Rules finale that was filmed over this past few days. I don't know, guys. I'm really tired with seeing all of the footage and pictures and things from this season. 
I want to watch season 11 and be surprised. I don't want to know everything. So I'm trying not to read too many spoilers or watch too many things. I just kind of try and keep scrolling if it comes up on Instagram. Because I really enjoy watching the shows and not really knowing what to expect. One thing I really appreciated about Southern Charm, which is coming back in the next week or two, is that I know almost nothing about anything that has happened aside from potentially Austin and Taylor hooking up. That's it. And I am ready for a season where I don't know what's coming. But what's coming up on this podcast, wow, that was a really cheesy transition, (laughs) is Blake Adam, who is host of the Blonde Hair Black Heart podcast. He's also a new father of twins. He's going to come on. We're going to chat. I did want to say one thing that I did figure out after we recorded. So we're talking about the $18 million lawsuit against Erica Jane by her former costume designer. And the designer is alleging that there was collusion or something going on with American Express and the Secret Service and Erica Jane and all of it. And I was kind of like, Secret Service? And we were talking and I said, I know they're responsible for something other than just guarding those that are in their protection. I just don't know what it is. So I looked it up and um, the Secret Service has primary jurisdiction to investigate threats against Secret Service protectees as well as financial crimes. That was what I was forgetting. And financial crimes include credit card fraud. And that is what is being alleged in this lawsuit that Erica Jane was saying there was credit card fraud when there was not credit card fraud and it trying to take down this designer and now he is fighting back. So it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. As always, if you guys enjoy the podcast, give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. If you have any constructive criticism or have any thoughts on this week's or another podcast, feel free to reach out to me directly at Mandy Slutsker. I do enjoy hearing from you. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then back with Blake. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I am here with Blake Adam, host of the podcast Blonde Hair, Black Heart, and he happens to be a new dad of twins, which is so exciting because last time he was on the podcast, he was talking about him and his um, husband's journey to become parents. And it's amazing to think that now, the second time you're on the podcast, you have actually become a parent. How does it feel? Um, it feels amazing, exciting, exhausting, all of the things. Um, but yeah, we're just like so over the moon. We're so happy. Um, and thank you for having me, Mandy. I'm so excited to be back on the podcast. I'm excited to be back as a dad now, like you said. Um, 
Yeah, all good things. Life has been really, really good to me. So no complaints. So I know that you're on Instagram a lot and Twitter following all of the Bravo news. Is it something that you do when you're doing like late night feedings and diaper changes? Like <laughs> you're like yeah, awake definitely. all the time now. <laughs> right, exactly. We're trying to squeeze it in when, when we can. Um, it's really funny though. Like we are finding my husband and I that like a lot of our um, media consumption is happening in those overnight hours. Like yeah. I was joking with him that um, a couple nights ago, like he was just up all night and like the twins are actually on a really good schedule and so they're sleeping you know pretty sporadically but like we feed them and then they go down and they sleep but he was just like up all night even when they were sleeping and I kept waking up and every time I'd wake up he was like starting a different movie and like over the course of one night he watched like four movies and I was just like all all right you do you bud (laughs) oh my god that must be exhausting. Like you're so tired and then you can't sleep. I don't even know yeah. what I would do. I know. And they weren't even good movies. Like literally I woke up at one point. I was like, are you watching you mean Dupree? And he was like, yeah, this movie's terrible. <laughs> and I was like, why are you watching? And he was like, cause I'm awake and it's there. So yeah. yeah, we're like in that weird delirium. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always found the, the, sounds of middle-aged women screaming at each other to be quite soothing so um, it it helps lull me to sleep (laughs) (laughs) I love it I also fell asleep I don't know if it was last night or before with like the hurricane coverage on I didn't mean to but I was trying to I'm really into weather (laughs) it's such a weirdo that was the thing I wanted to be as a kid for the longest time is I wanted to be meteorologist Oh, a meteorologist. And I like learned <laughs> like a lightning all bolt the different clouds and all the different systems. And, you know, I just got really, really into it. And I still kind of get this joy watching the Weather Channel and all of the different meteorologists, like, you know, out in the wind and the cold and the rain. Totally. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I could have done it's that a, in an another extreme. life. <laughs> An extreme job for sure. There are a lot of like you could go down a YouTube rabbit hole of like hilarious weather reports um, of people just getting like smacked in the face by like a a fish flying out of the water during a hurricane or something. (laughs) And the thing is, the reason I think I wanted to do it was because where I grew up in Minneapolis, the weather like reporters are local heroes. They are the most popular people in the city. Wow. Why do you think that is? We have crazy weather and you, you know, need to know like, okay, what am I supposed to be wearing? Are we having a snowstorm? Is there ice? Like that kind of thing. And it's sort of a folksy kind of back and forth where like they, you get to know them as people sort of, and they're there forever. It's like the same people for like 30 years doing the job and you just yeah I don't know it's like a comfort feeling and everyone has their favorite like my mom always used to hate this one guy or she's like he's always wrong he's always wrong <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny I mean I guess for me like I'm in Tucson Arizona hi Raquel Levis and um <laughs> like for us here you know there's only like so many ways that someone can say like yeah it's gonna be hot and dry today so I guess the the weatherman isn't like a huge local celeb out here <laughs> yeah it's funny we also don't really have a lot of celebrities up there so and the ones that we do have we leave alone like we don't bother them right so (laughs) well we have Raquel I mean we're just like rolling in the celebs yeah whatever her name is these days (laughs) which I must I must say you know like 
of late, there have been a lot of Rachel sightings out here in Tucson. Like, we don't have paparazzi. That's not a thing. She is, like, I just have to put that out on the record, like, while we're discussing it. Like, Homegirl has made friends with someone who is, like, posted up here taking pictures of her, for sure. So just like Heather and Terry Dubrow in Orange County. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you know what? That is, no. There are literally, if you Google like celebrities at Disneyland, there are thousands of like paparazzi photos at Disneyland. So like it, I get it, Tamara judge. It does seem weird, but like that actually does happen at Disneyland for Heather Dubrow. (laughs) I wouldn't know. I only found out during the pandemic from Ryan Bailey that people actually do ask paparazzi to take photos of them. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 1,000%. idea. 1,000%. And and it's a very common thing, and it's been happening, you know, for decades now. Like, especially in the early aughts when, like, the paparazzi were kind of dictating the zeitgeist uh, in a much uh, bigger way than they do now. Um, But I mean, as far as the Dubros are concerned, like I I feel like if they were going to have paparazzi shots, it wouldn't have been at Disneyland. Like did they, did they buy the paparazzi the the pass to get in? Like, did they like ride space mountain with the paparazzi? I just, I feel like they would have done something a little fancier, like maybe a night out at Nobu. I just don't think it would have been Disneyland. Hey, I truly don't know. Like, I don't have a very strong opinion. Now, something I think we all probably have a strong opinion about is Carl and Lindsay ending their engagement. So, guys, we are recording this on Thursday night. Things may change over the coming days. So I will be sure to post an update (laughs) beforehand. But as of what we know right now, like, what are your initial thoughts? I mean... Sorry, there's something in my eye, like a, like a twig or a branch or a tree or something. Um, hey, like, listen, I'll cry I, over Carl and Lindsay too. <laughs> no, no, there's literally <laughs> something in my eye, Mandy. Um, no, I, I'm not surprised in the sense that like it all happened really fast, and I was kind of surprised when they got together initially. Like it, it, it made sense, but it also just seemed, for me kind of came out of nowhere and really fast. Um, but then I am like surprised that they would call it off just because like they went so hard and everyone went so hard against them. And I feel like even just for like saving face, like ride it out a little longer. I don't know. I'm, I was surprised for sure. Well, my understanding is that he completely blindsided her in ending it and that they wrapped filming last weekend and then he decided to do it like today, I think. And which is crazy how we know the same day that it happened. That's how you know there's leaky people around you. That is not great. Like at least with Ariana, she had like a 48 hour grace period before it hit TMZ, you know, uh, because people in her. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about that though. So like Ariana has said like time and time again, she was the quote unquote leak. Like she is the one who called producers and said, this is what's happening. We need to film again. She's the one that told everyone. And she's been very candid in, in her reasoning, which is that like, she didn't want him to be able to control the narrative and like spin it in a weird way, which he had already been doing. And so I think she very quickly was like, okay, like 
the pieces were coming together and she knew that if she didn't jump on the story quickly, it would, it, it could turn against her. Do we think there's a, a world in which Lindsay did the same thing and she got dumped and she picked up the phone and called everyone she possibly could to get the story out there before this, the story could, you know, find its own way out there? So the only reason I'm thinking that might not be true is one of her best friends lives in D.C. and is like kind of prominent in the D.C. space. And I know people who are friends with that person. And earlier today asked, you know, like, hey, is this true? And she was like, no. Because I think okay. Lindsay hadn't had a chance to tell anyone. So yeah. what I had heard, and again, this is all like hearsay and but you know everything. You tell me. No, I never do. Just just with this, and I could be <laughs> completely wrong. Is that throughout filming this summer, Carl was really open and honest with production about some reservations he had about the relationship and the marriage. And then two weeks ago, Lindsay had her bridal shower and at it, Carl's mom also voiced some concerns that I don't know what these concerns are exactly. Then Carl's mom's husband, so his stepdad, apparently is a pastor or minister at a church and he does counseling for people who are going to get married. And he said, if you guys were in my church, I would recommend you not get married. Okay. So what Amanda apparently thinks is that Carl went too far and and was too honest. And if Lindsay were to watch the season back, she'd be like, why did you marry me? And so I think he felt like he had had to end it before they got there. But I have a number of like theories, kind of. Yeah, I don't I mean... No, it's nobody's fault, right? But I, I have right. a feeling that he's someone who actually doesn't want to be on camera anymore. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that she's meant to be on camera for a long yeah. time, right? So yeah. that that is that thing. He wants to be sober. She's not a sober person. Yeah. Um, and that's okay in many relationships, but it seems like his sobriety is a little bit fragile. And he's also, because of these friendships, like they drink in an abnormal amount. And yeah, especially for like yeah. people in their mid forties. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. I like, it's I just a eat. lot. I have a glass of wine. I'm like, done. Right? Yeah. Seriously. Martini I know. over. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine like, like we were talking about before. Sure. I'm up at three in the morning, but it's like in my room with you mean Dupree on in the background. I'm not like out like, you know, raging. It's just wild to me. It's wild. So I think they just had like some differences. I also, the thing I always get anxious about with relationships is if the bride is really obsessed with the wedding, like this has to be perfect. It has to be at this location with all these different people. My dress has to I have four different dress changes. We have to do a huge bridal shower. We have to do a huge engagement party. You have to have a huge bachelorette. Yeah. Like you're not 25 and right. like you're focusing all of your energy on a wedding and not on a marriage. Yeah. And with my older age, I'm like, Oh, yeah. Would it be fun to have a wedding? Yes, definitely. But nothing is more important than like the person you're marrying and the marriage itself. Because like that's what you're getting married for. It's not for the party and everyone looking at you and, you know, like it being Instagrammable and the perfect hashtag. Like, (sighs) Yeah, well, you made a really good point or like, uh, I guess, inference about um, like 
Craig maybe saying too much, whether it was to producers Carl. or on camera. <laughs> Car- I'm sorry, Carl. They're all the same to me. I they're know. Really they're all blurred <laughs> together. <laughs> um, so, uh, but it's so interesting. And like, I wonder how that plays a role into these reality shows wherein the cast are dating each other because we hear that all the time with like the housewives for example where they say like yeah we we were fighting and then we made up but then we had to watch it back and like see what they were saying about me and now we're fighting again and i like i can't imagine if like me and my husband got into a fight and then i went and like told a camera everything i was feeling about him in that moment and then like a month later we had to watch it back again like i i can only imagine what that does to a relationship. And it's interesting because then how does that play into a dynamic like this, where it's one thing if like you're a couple and you're already dating and then you get cast on a show. And so like your dynamic, you're kind of already set, you you know each other, but how is that going to affect a new couple who are two previous cast members? Like they know how it works. They know how the game is played. They know what they have to do in their jobs. So how do they reconcile that? Like, are they then going to go into the next season and be like, sorry, I can't really do my job anymore because like I have to protect this relationship or are they going to do what, Craig, Carl, I don't even know whoever he is All did, and like <laughs> spill the beans too, too much and too far and jeopardize that new relationship. I mean, it's just such like uh, a tricky, tricky thing to navigate. Oh, it's so difficult. It just makes me really sad because I feel like they both really wanted this to work yeah. and they may just not be compatible as partners because of what they what kind of life they want to live and there's nothing wrong with Lindsay wanting to be on camera or wanting to be always on social media you know but I don't know and there's also not Carl yeah well and there's also not necessarily anything wrong with Carl going to someone to like vent his frustrations or Mm -hmm. his concerns about the relationship the the difference is like you know in a normal relationship you would go to your therapist or to your mom or to your best friend you wouldn't go to like millions of bravo fans and i think that's the the big difference so like in his mind maybe he didn't even really think that he was doing anything wrong like we know that these cast members especially when the shows have been going on for so long they become very close with the producers and so like maybe in his mind he was going to a buddy and kind of venting in the ways that he had done for seasons not really realizing like oh shit this is a a very different type of relationship now Ugh, breaks my heart okay another thing that is very upsetting and even more confusing than this breakup which is that erica jane was sued for 18 million dollars over this alleged conspiracy that includes american express and the secret service so apparently this man, Christopher Psyea, if I'm saying it correctly, um, accused her of filing fraudulent refunds. So he was providing costumes to her for her performances. She was mm-hmm. using these costumes. He would send invoices. She would ignore them. And then sometime in 2016, she looked at all the charges on her American Express. And then she went to American Express and was like, I didn't buy any of these things and got the refunds from American Express, which I don't know. Wouldn't they want to verify if it's that much money? Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) And then um, I, this is the part I don't understand is the secret service. So apparently she bribed a secret service or her former husband did um, to pursue false felony charges against him. I don't think the secret service can, do these like random investigations. I could be wrong, but 
they Aren't do they just have, like yeah fancy bodyguards <laughs> well like a- there there is some stuff that they do that like falls under their purview that's a more than just the safety and security of the president and vice president and former presidents and vice presidents um but i i don't know i feel like, like going after erica jane <laughs> i feel like this is something i would actually be able to dig into and find someone i yeah. know that could explain this to me okay so next week i'm gonna watch a full <laughs> in-depth Right, analysis but it, of what the hell's I mean, going on. I believe that he was screwed over by her, but I yeah. don't know that I believe the extent of a conspiracy. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know anything about anything, but I do know something yeah. that, <laughs> so I know, and like, I'm not naming names here, but like breadcrumbs people, like everything that I talk about, it's very easy to put put the pieces together if you're smart. I know someone who is a service provider to a lot of the Bravo lebs, um, they provided a service to Erica Jane, and I know that they had to hunt the bitch down to try and get paid. Like, sent invoice after invoice, That's like text after text. Uh, <laughs> literally, Avoiding ended the bill up collectors having, like yeah, ha- had to go to Erica's assistant and like basically be like, "Yo, like, here's my Venmo. Just pay me." And and what's crazy is it wasn't an obscene amount of money at all it was something that like you or i could reasonably take care of um yeah and this i heard about this gosh maybe a year ago so that doesn't surprise me at all um par for the course for miss jane (laughs) it's expensive to be any of her service providers (laughs) it's so frustrating because i'm like if you like just do your own makeup just do your own hair like if you can't afford it that's fine are we going to make fun of you for looking bad some people are assholes will but you know if you say listen i've cut back on glam i've cut back on this stuff because i can't afford it anymore that like all the power to you i would appreciate that level of transparency for sure yeah. yeah. And you know what? What an what an incredible pivot it would have been for her to come out of, you know, this lavish, exorbitant lifestyle that she had where she literally had like a chapel down the hall from her bedroom in her mansion. Um, and she was like, look, I still can be fabulous and beautiful and wear incredible fashions, but I can do it on a budget. I'm going to go to vintage stores. I'm going to find like old like like there are ways to be fabulous without spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on clothes. Um, I mean, clearly she wasn't spending the money on the clothes, but you know what I mean. I just, I feel like it would have been even more impressive. Like if people loved her fashions when she could, you know, just charge it to her Amex and not worry about the bill, we would have been even more impressed if like we knew that she actually like, like put some, some thought and like, I don't know, something else into it besides just swiping the card. So Here's my thought. I feel like she's never really been a fashionista. She likes other people to pick out outfits and dress her, but she never wants to do it on her own. I actually think Dorit would be much more likely to be able to go shopping at vintage stores, putting outfits together herself, having her ideas of looks. But I don't think that's actually Erica's passion. I think she... Once she got money, she's like, all right, I'm going to fix, redo my face. I'm going to like have someone dress me and do my hair and my makeup. And that's how it's going to go. And I don't think she's ever put effort into it. 
like her own well, creativity and, or no, I agree because if you take a look at like her personal style versus like her, her stage performance and all of it, and even like her style before she came on the show or like her first season on the show, it's, it's very, very, they're all very, very different and disjointed. And like, I know that she says that she, Erica Jane is a character and Erica Girardi is who she is, but like, Erica Jane is like really tacky, you know, but then mm-hmm. in on Beverly Hills, she tries to be like fresh off the runway, super sophisticated. And like, I, I dig it, but you're right. It's clear that there are other people picking that stuff out for her when she has the creative control, which she does over like the, the pop star thing. It's tacky as hell. You know, mm-hmm. it is so, so tacky. Oh my God. Okay. I got to get your thoughts on this last thing before we get into this week's Atlanta, which is related to Atlanta. Thoughts on someone leaking that Atlanta was going to get rebooted. Um, And then, you know, the network's response and Eric, the, uh, what do you call it? The showrunner, his response and everyone's response What are your thoughts? What do you make of all this? (laughs) So many thoughts. Well, I mean, I definitely think that Bravo knew what they were doing when they uh, mixed it all up with New York and they were putting all of the other cities on notice. Um, So I think that that's kind of the new scare tactic. Um, And I don't know if I necessarily believe it about Atlanta. Um, Here's the thing. Like, New York was, was always one of the top cities, but... I I can't really explain it or put words to it, but for whatever reason, I feel like the New York women, like they've been off, off the TV for three years now. And like, I'm not really missing them as a, as a group, you know, like we got our Sonia, we got our Luann on crappy Lake and that's fine. But like, I'm not missing Ramona. I'm not like, I, it's okay that they went away. I think a much larger hole would be left if Atlanta went away. Um, I don't know why. I like I said I can't really explain my rationale behind that. That's just kind of how I feel. So what I would hope would happen is if they are going to reboot it, do it more in the vein of what they did with Real Housewives of Miami, um where they kind of cut like a a big portion of the cast, maybe have some of them be friends, bring in like like four or five new girls, like a a very new feel while still keeping some of those staples. I think that's a way to successfully reboot without like canning the whole thing. And it still allows you to then say, you know, they reboot it now and I'm, I'm not like making casting suggestions. This is me just, you know, spitballing. Say they decide to bring back Kenya candy and Sheree fine. And they bring in four new girls, see how it goes. Maybe a year later, they're like, you know what? I think we could bring drew back into the mix that that door is still open now. Whereas with, Roni, like they can't bring Ramona back to like kick it with Bryn, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just, I just think it would be a, an easier transitional reboot situation. Um, Now when it comes to uh, what's his, but the showrunner or EP or whatever, Eric, yeah, Eric Fuller. I, I mean, I didn't really think much of him. I know like a lot of people were like, yeah, he sucks and he's ruined this show and blah, blah, blah. I didn't pay much attention to it until he put out a statement and basically was like, I have nothing to do with anything. Don't blame me. And then I was like, okay, well then what the hell do you do? Like, you know, then I started right. judging him. I didn't judge him before, but once he put that out, I was like, okay, maybe you are the problem. If you're the 
head honcho and you're not taking responsibility for anything, you're basically saying you don't have a job on this show. What's what's anyone doing? You know, so I thought it was a little weird. I did too. That was when I was like, huh? But I had Ray Sani on the podcast last week and she was saying that the production team for uh, Potomac changed after the fight with Monique. And so they brought in the same production team that Atlanta uses. Now, I could be completely wrong if I misinterpreted this, but she feels like the earlier seasons of Potomac were much more focused on the women's lives and their businesses and their interpersonal connections and kind of actual things that were happening. And then the new production team was so focused on drama that they started following things that were like objectively false just because it was, I don't know why they chose to like follow last season, the whole thing about Candace and Chris and Chris potentially right. being unfaithful when there is no evidence of that, that we've seen and yeah. yet not force Giselle or Robin to be really open about their lives. Yeah. And that to me feels like a production failure. Now I blame production for keeping Marlo around, because she showed us last season that she goes too low. She goes so far below the belt that the other women won't engage with her in a meaningful way. So you can't even get good fights with someone that you don't even engage with. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think Marlo is good on the show in this capacity. Um, I don't think Sonya really brings anything to the table. I I do think that Drew does, but I think that we're it's just kind of to your point, like there's no real substance to anything that's going on this season. Um, maybe now, like in the very tail end when, when we got like a taste of like Drew's alleged affair, but that was the finale episode, you know? Um, so th- the whole season did feel very it felt kind of like bullshit, you know? And I think we got that from the the get-go. I think Candy was given off the vibe that she felt the same way. You know, she was just like, what the hell? Like, this is bullshit. All this is bullshit. Like, why are you coming at me, Courtney? Right. Um, so I, I definitely agree. But I think that, like, I mean, I'm the type of person where I actually do enjoy some of this, the seasons that lean into the more, like, interpersonal dramas between the ladies as opposed to their p- personal lives outside of the group. I like those seasons when they're done right. Um, like, for example, I kind of feel like this season of Orange County is is really heavily leaning into, like, what's happening amongst the women and, like, what they're all chattering about, true or not true. But the reason why it works is that, like, the the fourth wall is really broken down mm-hmm. um had this most recent season of potomac had there been that fourth wall breakage and someone be someone say like yeah well like you know robin and giselle are pointing their finger over there but like what about this that we all know about like there was just no we weren't getting the, they tried. the truth of what was i think candace I know, tried but, but it yeah didn't. but it wasn't it wasn't put so out there and apparently, so apparently kenya said on carlos king's podcast that there was an argument that they had in portugal where she was like you guys are ruining the show you're ruining the show like this is you know whatever she what whatever she used to describe it and that yeah. was kept out and that would have been so that interesting should be, it because should be we were watching an entire season and being like what is this like, what yeah. is this bullshit about Sheree trying to shrink her f- fibroids and like yeah. them making it seem like 
reducing stress makes them go away. Like it doesn't right. make them go right. away. You can, <laughs> <laughs> I hate when they God. do stuff like that. I'm like, yes, right. you can put off surgery for as long as however, but like eventually yeah. you probably need it, you know, <laughs> if they're in, interacting with your life that much. Right. Right. All of it was just so crazy. Um, yeah, I agree. But I think, you know, again, like back to OC, like the reason why it's the same kind of like, you know, pointing fingers and spreading rumors and all of that, which like on Potomac, we all hated. But the reason why it works is that we're like getting up that fourth wall coming down and we're having people say like, well, I didn't say it on camera. They did say it on camera or like that's that can't go on camera or he's going to break up with me. Yes. Like, exactly. And that's what that's what has been the actual fight for years on these shows. But it's yes. only recently that that's kind of coming to the forefront. It's always been about like, you know, we, I mean, even go back to season two of Beverly Hills with Taylor Armstrong and Russell Armstrong and the whole, now like, we one, and it. now we said it. It's, that's always been a thing. What's talked about off camera is one thing, mm -hmm. but when it's brought on camera, that is a very, very different thing. And I think that's why this season of OC is so successful is that the whole conversation is like, well, they're bringing it up on camera. We all talk about it off camera, but that's, that's different, you know? Yeah. So a few questions about Atlanta. Okay. So Drew and Ralph go to couples counseling because they, a lot of problems. She's very upset yes. about this like video with Courtney. I don't even think she's upset about the video. I don't even think she's upset that Courtney called her a bitch. I think she's upset that her husband will never take her side and will totally. never validate her feelings. And it just happens sure. over and over and over again. Yeah. It I was probably think, one of those things where yeah. when it came up, she was waiting for him to have a response. And when he didn't, she was like, okay, well now I have to have a response, you know? It's just, and he's like, she didn't say anything about me, did she? <laughs> like, oh my God, you were that was such a mess. Oh and my God. And Dr. Ken, who I have found historically to, in my opinion, be somewhat misogynistic, mm -hmm. even he was shocked out of words with Ralph's, what he was saying. Yeah. I mean, do you feel, this is my question, that throughout the whole season that Drew knew that the relationship was going to end and she was maybe making him pretend or she was pretending or they both were like, so how, I don't, yeah. I, I, they were definitely pretending, but I don't think it was necessarily like that. She knew that it was over and she was pretending like, like we're, we're separated basically, but we're going to pretend to be together until the season wraps. I don't think it was that. I think it was that she knew that there were major, major issues in the relationship. And she just didn't want that to be a focus of this season. So she went into it saying, like, let's just act like everything is perfect because, like, we don't need any more stress on our relationship. And I think by the end, it, it was just done and she couldn't keep that facade up anymore. I tend to agree with you. I actually... Yeah, Tom Hamlet seemed to think that she went into the whole season, like, knowing she was going to leave him and was sort of coming up with a plan for it and i just don't see that level of like planning or thought well, yeah well and what was the big grand plan because she didn't leave him she got like outed for some weird thing like i just feel like if she was going to do that look at drew. i mean drew is like little miss attention she loves the spotlight she's like a kind of a little firecracker if she was gonna like leave him i think she would have done it at the start of a season and had like a hot single girl season 
season. Like that, that's what I would have seen for her, like following in the footsteps of Ashley Darby. I don't see her riding out a whole season to then have some like weird rumor come out about her, like maybe being a lesbian. I don't, it just is too weird for me to think that she would have planned it. I agree. I agree with you entirely. The difference between her and Darby is that Ashley, even when she was living with Michael, Michael stopped showing up on camera. He wasn't eager to be shown on camera, even when they were living in the same place. And she did a lot of filming outside of the apartment. Now, Mm -hmm. I think that Ralph is obsessed with the cameras. I mean, he went to the reunion and he's not even with Drew anymore. I know. Yeah. And that's on him. Like, yeah, they invited him, but he chose to go. And I think he would not, if she left him, he'd be like, well, I'm getting mic'd up too. I'm getting my own contract. Like, you know, and. Well, that's why I think the timing would have been, is so important. Like had she known like before cameras were up, like going into the season, that it was done, I think for that reason, she would have called it off and just been like, look, we're not even together anymore. So that way he wouldn't have, like if they had broken up in the off season, Bravo isn't going to mic him up and bringing, bring him in for a confessional. If they broke up mid season, absolutely they would, you know? Yeah. So I think she would have played those cards wisely and how it played out for her wasn't good. So like, I no. don't think that she, I don't think she planned it. What did you think of Courtney's hot mic moment? So she was saying that, you know, (sighs) Drew goes to visit Ty in Texas and Ralph has evidence and he's going to use it in the divorce proceedings. And then when she thought that she was done, I'm like, did she really think she was done? But she like stands up and she's like, well, I have pics of Ty and Drew on my phone, but I wasn't going to say that on camera. And then hints that the reason that Drew pushed for Ralph to adopt Josiah was that she could go be (laughs) with her gay lover. (laughs) And have him pay the bills, which is just hilarious. Like, that's not how any of this works. No, it's (laughs) ridiculous. I mean, so first of all, you could tell that Courtney thought that she was so smart when she used the term discovery. I know. She's like, so it's a thing. Yeah, she's like, "Uh, let me be like, let me pull out my Elwoods right now. And I was like, bitch, you are not like a a lawyer. You are not Phaedra Parks here. Um, But the comment that she made, like the whole adoption thing was really gross and low in my opinion. I think like bringing Drew's kids into it or like her intentions as a mother or like in wanting him to be a father or a stepfather, I think that that's really, really gross. I think it undermines the relationship that Ralph had with Drew's son. Um, I, I just, it's, sad to me um more so for the son you know to like see that and and like either think that that's true about his mom or think that that's like what his like almost stepdad thought or just any of it it's like really sad and i just feel like leave the kids out of it um there's also just i mean as an adoptive dad like there's such a weird like you you just feel so protective over your kids, like whether they're yours or not. And so when anyone is questioning like your motives or intentions in, in like wanting to, to be a parent or I don't know, it just, it did not sit well with me, Mandy. It didn't. Sit oh, well. <laughs> I can imagine. I actually wanted to get your thoughts. I'm just going to completely jump into OC. On oh, please. Jen with, I always call her Jen with two ends, but she is a Jen with two ends, and that she matters is. to me. It does. And I like Jen's with two ends. 
Um, yeah. I like Jen's with lemon too, extra, but it's you know? a little something special. <laughs> Yeah. So when, how do you feel about how she talks about being an adoptive parent? Yeah, I actually, I really, really enjoy Jen. I, um, I really admire the journey that she's been on as not just an adoptive parent, but as a foster parent, fostering mm-hmm. is incredibly difficult. It's, it's a, a huge emotional toll. Um, it's an amazing thing, but it is not an easy thing at all. So I, I definitely, um, I, I just have like a lot of respect for her in that regard. And I think that her coming on this show and talking about it so openly, uh, is really, really brave because, you know, there are going to be people who are going to be stupid and shitty. And like, even just in that, you know, scene, uh, with her telling all the ladies about it in the beginning and Shannon's like not paying attention and not listening. And it's just like, you know, she's up against that in trying to tell like a really, really, personal and emotional and unique, um, story. So I give her a lot of props. Yeah, I do too. I didn't like the first episode and all my listeners know when she like alluded to the reason she brought in a foster child was so that her biological children could see what it really meant like to have nothing. (laughs) She made that kind of a comment. I was like, that is weird. But I was like, maybe she misspoke, right? Let's see how she is the rest of the season. And she is not giving that vibe off at all the rest of the season. Exactly. Yeah, I I think that that, yeah, I think that that was just something that was probably like word vomit or just like didn't, didn't come out like she meant it. And it was also probably like, one thing on maybe a list of many that she had said, and then that that's the one that made made the cut. The cut, you know? yeah, yeah. No, totally. But I I definitely give her a lot of props, and I do think that it's something that like should be discussed. Um, yeah, I mean, just like there are such weird conversations right now, just about like family planning in general. Like, like there are people who are like adamantly against any type of like alternative family planning or like family like building method whether it's adoption whether it's fostering whether it's surrogacy like there's it's just everything seems to piss someone off these days um i know firsthand like and when i was sharing my adoption story like we got like so much hate from people that were calling us like child traffickers literally being like you're trying to buy a baby like just weird weird shit so it's it's, it's like you, there's all these talk people, about these things. Sorry to. No, no, no. Like I there's mean, all these please. people saying that uh, we don't believe in abortion and we don't want anyone and you should just adopt. And I'm like, okay, well, like if people make that choice, like good on them, you know, like that's, yeah. that's but a then choice. when you do, I can tell you firsthand when you are someone who is yeah. actively trying to, to adopt, there will be people who will, who will be upset about that, you know? And then the same thing when you're trying to go about surrogacy and like, it's not just because I'm like in a same sex relationship. These are people who are just like adamantly against adoption period or like against surrogacy or IVF period, you know? And it's weird. And um, the IVF thing is insane. <laughs> Right, right. Totally. So it's brave of her to go out there and like discuss something that um, is really, really important. And it's a really positive thing in in her life and in her kids' lives. And um, knowing that on these shows, everything could be twisted into a negative. Like I give her a lot of props for that. It's brave for sure. Totally. And I give you and your husband a lot of props for being open with your adoption (laughs) journey because 
I mean, your hearts were broken so many times. I mean, that's the story of adoption, right? Where you're looking and you're looking and you think you have something and you think it might work and then it doesn't. And then all of a sudden something happens out of the blue and you're not sure, is it going to be mine? Is it going to like, is this going to go through, you know, all of that? It must be terrifying. And and then to have them be born so early and have it to navigate the NICU and to deal with insurance and to deal with all of these nurses and doctors and complicated factors of yes. babies that are very, very small. Yes. You know, it was that's definitely, a lot. Um, it's a yeah. lot. You know, <laughs> the last few months have been definitely, uh, I think, stressful. Would be putting it lightly. Um, add on top of that list of yours, like working full time, um, trying to maintain like some semblance of a like romantic relationship with my husband, trying to like see family, trying to, you know, we had like people come visit to help, you know, which is great. But ultimately like when you have guests as helpful as they try to be, you're still kind of hosting and like, it's just, there was a lot going on. Um, But yeah, I mean, we, we just, it was hard being so open and transparent about everything. And we were, we shared our whole adoption journey, like, you know, for the past two and a half years since we decided to adopt, it was really difficult. And we, we faced a lot of, um, a lot of like negativity and a lot of like really nasty people. Um, but the positive is that we just found so much support and we have so many people that have rallied around us from the beginning, people that have rallied around us since the twins have been born. Um, so many people that are invested in our story and now invested in the twins and like to, to us and to me specifically, that means so, so, so much. So like all of the difficult things that we've had to navigate, you know, as crazy as it sounds like knowing that we have a community of friends and family, but also of like complete strangers who care about us. Like that has given me so much peace and comfort so i mean and you're you're one of them i mean you've been so supportive of the whole thing so honestly i mean you know i've learned through my work work that um a child's best place to grow up is in family care right and it's hard because when i was living in south africa and volunteered i volunteered at a orphanage and that is not a good place for children and I didn't know that at the time and I think the science has really caught up with children's brains actually do not fully develop if they are not in family-based care a lot of times they actually have stunted Mm -hmm. brains Um, and that's because you know having guardians that care for you I mean obviously there's some family homes that are toxic and abusive and I'm not talking about that but having caregivers that you can rely on and others that you can mimic their movements their sounds you know that engage with you that sing that clap that play that you know all of that helps build children's brains and the first thousand days of a child's life from the moment they are conceived until their second birthday is the most important window for nutritional, you know, importance and for cognitive stimulation. And it doesn't stop. And to think that people would rather have these babies be in some sort of institution with four blank walls and no interaction. I mean, come on. That's yeah. that's crazy. That's not what's best for kids. What's best for kids yeah. is to be with a loving caregiver in a home. Yeah, absolutely. And like every 
every adoption story is so vastly different. There is no like one size fits all for, for any family, you know, any, any buddy or any couple that is building their family, like their, their story is completely unique. And that goes for adoption. That goes for surrogacy that goes for fostering all of it. And so I think people get so hung up on like this kind of very black and white idea that they have in their head where it's just like, this is a transaction and you just found someone who's like pregnant and poor and you're offering to give them money in exchange for their baby and blah, blah, blah. And that's like such a, a very like, like not realistic idea of what adoption actually is. And like for us in particular, like we, we actually now are like really good friends with the twins birth mom. Like she lives here in town. We like text her every single day. Like she would come visit the twins in the NICU. Like we're friends with her family. We went to her mom's birthday. Like we celebrated mother's day with her. Like it wasn't a transactional thing. We're her family now and she's our family now. And we're all the twins family now. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. No, that's beautiful. The more, the better. Oh, my God. You know, it's, yeah, it's wild. And, you know, people just don't want to delve into nuance. And I'm a person that thrives in nuance because everything is so nuanced. And, like, things aren't so black and white, right? And everyone likes to see things in black and white and then take stories and then apply it to their narrative of black and white where one person must be good and one person must be bad. And one is, you know, like abusing the other and one is taking advantage, like, and one is a victim there. It's not as clear, right? And there are situations where people do abuse the system, but (laughs) that's not this scenario. And why do you need to like harass two young dads who have children in the NICU? It boggles my mind. Yeah, well, it definitely, um, (laughs) that was something that uh, Tamara Judge had to ask herself. uh, My first week with the babies in the NICU, to kind of get my mind off of it, I had watched um, one of the first episodes of this season of Orange County. And I like live tweeted as I was watching it, as I always do. I, I haven't done the, my podcast in a couple months just because of, you know, the, the new schedule. I have two babies. It's really hard to like kind of land down time in front of the mic, but I've, I've been trying to be really active on social media. So I live tweet all the episodes and I tweeted my opinion about her and it somehow got back to her despite me being blocked by her. So I don't know how she saw it, but she decided to call me out and she called me like an obsessed fan or something. Mind you, I had maybe like a tweeted like tweet. Uh, she screenshotted it. She screenshotted it. What she I did said. it on Twitter or on Instagram yes, or okay. Twitter. And she called me like an obsessed fan um, and like a stalker or something, something along those lines. Um, and she, and, and like, mind you, I had maybe tweeted like 20 things over the course of the whole episode. And this was like one particular tweet. It wasn't like my thesis on the entire episode. It was one thought over a 60 minute, you know, episode. Um, but the responses that she got was like, it was everyone being like, you nasty bitch. This, this guy has two, this guy has two babies. No, I know. But he literally, they were like, you are so horrible. He has two babies in the NICU. How could you do this? Like, because here's the thing, like when I'm tweeting stuff out, first of all, I'm not tagging Tamara judge in anything. I'm just tweeting my thoughts, but I have like 5,000 followers on Twitter. Like I'm not, I'm not some big hotshot. She has like 2 million, you know, So when celebrities are doing this and 
quote tweeting or screenshotting or tagging someone, it's very pointed and it's very much like, okay, my followers, here you go, go at them, fly monkeys, fly, you know? And so people got that that's what she was trying to do. And there were maybe a few people that kind of came at me a little bit, but the, the majority of the people were like, he he's in the hospital right now with his babies. Like, how dare you? How could you do this? And I must have clocked like, 30 or 40 of those responses being like, you're a terrible person for attacking this man who's like at the hospital with his babies right now, which mind you, she had, she had no way. No idea. She didn't do it on purpose. She wasn't intentionally sicking her fans after like me knowing that I was in the hospital, whatever, but really shitty timing for Tamara judge. Because after about like four hours, she deleted the tweet. Um, She definitely, definitely had to ask herself, like, why would I go after a a new father with two babies in the hospital? You know, it's, it is a good reminder of, what am I putting out there on social media yes. and how will it be taken by the person reading it? And what if they yes. are in a hospital? What if they are in a really yeah. bad space? Like, do I want to contribute to that? Like, I, I don't know. You should go listen to my episode with Ono oh Chels with Chelsea, uh, Chelsea on social media, Bravo and mental health. It is fascinating. Well, after that, so that happened. And like the people that were on Tamara's side, like her handful of flying monkeys, they did go really, really low. And obviously I I had been posting that I was at the hospital and then they started using that against me. And they were like, you're a terrible dad. Why aren't you taking care of your, your dying babies? Like just saying terrible, nasty things. And then... Another guess like, someone's never later. spent a lot of time in the ICU because let me I, tell you, it's exa- boring as hell. Exactly you're what I said. You're waiting for people like, to live or you're waiting for people to die, right. and like, not a whole lot in between. My, my babies were 28 weeks, so literally they were being tube fed and sleeping 24 hours a day. Like I was just sitting there watching them, you know? Yeah. Um, but but then, like a couple days later, I think I, t- I tweeted something about. Um, uh, Teresa Judice having a really bad fake tan. Like it was like splotchy on her feet. And I posted a photo that was my bad because then all of the tree huggers came at me yeah. and same thing. They were like attack again, attacking the babies, attacking me and like being a bad dad and all that. So I, I took like a month off of Bravo social media for That's my own. Smart. I think it's important it was for everyone so to take great. some time it was away. So important. I need to do it again, Mandy, because do it again. I'm all in favor of this or just mute certain things so that it doesn't come across. Um, Well, while we're on OC, just have to get your thoughts on, let's just get right into Taylor's party with the pumpkin carving. So we've already kind of talked about the paparazzi thing. So (laughs) (laughs) we'll just move right on into Gina being upset with Shannon because at Shannon's party, she mentioned that, Without her help, the police would have come, would have arrested Gina, and her children would have been put into Child Protective Services. Now, Shannon doesn't seem to remember saying this. I truly believe that Shannon thinks she's the person that would not say something like that about someone else's kid. And then at the end of the episode, Gina's like, she needs to go to rehab. She can't remember anything she says. And I think Gina is saying this as kind of a newly sober person. And I always find that people who have stopped drinking suddenly realize who around them is drinking too much and projects. (laughs) I'm like, you focus on your own issue, girl. Like, you may be right, you may not, but that might be overstepping, just like how Shannon was overstepping talking about your situation. 
For sure. For sure. But what I always do is I always think I always give more grace to what is said in confessional than to what is said in scene, because what's said in confessional is after the fact. So that's in response to everything else, you know? I like like this, Blake. Yes. Gina is is saying this now after a season of Shannon coming for her. It's not like it's you could say it's tit for tat, but like what Gina is saying is a response to what Shannon said. And I think that what Shannon said was a low blow. I think the fact that she doesn't even remember it is like extremely telling. I think we're in an entire season of drama caused by Shannon Storms Bedore talking shit about everyone, including John Jansen, and then not remembering that she talked shit about them. Like that scene at the uh, dress up as each other party where Emily's like, no, you told me all this shit at Javier's and Shannon is like a, a deer in headlights. Oh yeah, she like, pulled I, like a I Mitch don't... McConnell. Yeah, literally just wrote, like had a stroke. <laughs> Sorry, because she's like, I, I I'm don't not know. laughing at Mitch McConnell. Oh, no. I am, you it's just okay. stop uh, talking and yeah, no, becomes becoming but, a thing. Exactly. So uh, Shannon McConnell did the same thing. She like short circuited, but it's because she realized in that moment, like, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Like truly (laughs) she is the cause of all of her own bullshit. And it's exactly what happened her first season when she came on and she was off camera running her mouth to all these women about her relationship with David Bedore. And then she like on camera, she's like, what are you talking about? I'm not crazy. What are you talking? Like she's, you will all see the truth. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, And guess what? We did all see the truth. And it was that you and David Bedore were not in a good relationship. What do you think is Shannon's best breakdown? Like most funny. I mean, that's the most iconic. That's the most iconic. The, yeah. the Lizzie's uh, Beach House dinner that you will all see the truth. You will all see. And Heather Dubrow going like, do we need to call an ambulance? <laughs> like so <laughs> I- iconic. So funny. That's also like the night where like the husbands are shouting at each other across the table. Like uh, it's so good. So good. So um, the reason I'm I mean, asking is because, and I mentioned this last week, I'm doing this exercise with my therapist where I'm naming my anxiety. I had to come up with a name. And then it's it's not, it's Shannon Storms Bedore. It can't just be Shannon. And then, you know, trying to like name other emotions and kind of work in my own self saying, okay, the the Shannon in me needs to take a backseat right now. And the real me needs to step forward. Okay. I want to put this into practice. It's called internal family systems. So my therapist doesn't watch housewives, but she's laughing at my description of how Shannon is. Cause she's kind of, I say she's like a frazzled wire. You know, like she looks like she is just like a bundle of nerves that is about to kind of shock you or explode at any moment. And she's just trying to hold it together. And then when she unloads, it's like she can't stop herself. And that's how I feel like my anxiety is when like it gets in my head and I'm thinking about like the worst case scenario for things. I do that a lot. And <laughs> I'm really trying not to catastrophize. So I'm like trying to be like, okay, that that's like the yeah. storm's bedore in me, right? So For sure. my therapist is like, well, if you come up with the, you know, clip of, of her that you think would be helpful for me to understand what you're talking about, send it my way. So So yeah, that's a good one. The, like you'll all see the truth. You'll all see you know what another really good one is? 
I start charities, Megan. That was <laughs> that a great, a great Shannon Bedore meltdown. That's just so funny. So because it's so ridiculous. It's literally like, oh, I wanted your help at a charity. I start charities. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Oh, she is a special one. Um, yeah, I, I am worried about Shannon. I'm worried that she's never been shown what it means to be truly loved for who she is, yeah. maybe by her family. She's Certain, talked about that. Yeah. Certainly by her ex-husband. And now it seems by her boyfriend, hopefully her children love her for yeah. who she is, but I like how they she's seem protected to. I mean, them. She's, she seems to have a good relationship with her daughters. John Jansen's weird. I mean, he was like, he was scratching her behind the ear. Like she was Archie in this week's episode. It was so weird. Did you clock that when he was like petting her like a dog? I had a feeling that she had like something that itched her on her back. And that I think he was trying to get her tail to wag. Like it was so weird. <laughs> I was like, maybe she's got a bunch of bug bites or something. It was, I mean, even she was like looking at him like, John, what are you doing? Like, yeah, very, very strange. But the thing about Shannon is that she is right now falling into that pattern of like trying to keep so many things off camera. The, the beauty of it, though, is that the fourth wall is dropping and like it's not being kept off camera. Thank God. So it's it's working in her favor even though she didn't want all this stuff to come across it's working in her favor because if it hadn't we would all be pissed and be like well damn it shannon you know oh my god she i love her because she can't help but be herself and i think so many of these women play and they project and they do a character and they try and like produce things and produce themselves and shannon's just incapable of that and i appreciate it and it's I don't know. It's like I'm seeing the part of myself like that I feel like sometimes on the inside that I don't show (laughs) that I'm like, I get you, Shannon. Sometimes you like when she showed up at that pumpkin party and she was such a mess and she's just like so anxious and then she just couldn't function. I know what that feels like where you just you're like feel sick. You like haven't slept. Your heart rate is like to the moon, you know, so some part of we've me. We've all just, got a little Shannon Storm. We've all got a little Shannon Storm is Bador in us and our internal family system. Okay. To end, let's chat about New York. So okay. are you enjoying the new New York? Yeah, I am. I am. I think, you know, like any first season of a new city, although it's not a new city, it's like a new iteration, like any first uh, city or first uh, season it's like slow. There's not like a, an incredible drama that's like really, really rich and deep, but like we got to give it time. We need these ladies to get to know each other. We need to get to know them, um, but it's fun. I like them all. I think they've got like a good vibe to them. It's, it's to me, it's almost giving like, like Dubai vibes, but like in, in New York, just in terms of like the, the like the air of the women and like, I don't know something about the energy of it all. I'm I'm into. I was struggling with the OG Roni. Um, there were seasons that I loved. There were a lot of seasons that I didn't love. But I, like I said, you know, they haven't been on since 2020, and like I have not. I don't think once been like, oh man, I miss I miss that Roni. So, and I know I'm I'm I know I'm speaking for only myself. There are a lot of people who love and miss the original Roni, but I am not one of them. <laughs> 
Um, I liked the original Roni, but the last few seasons of it, like with Leah, it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. I miss like pre Leah Roni. Yeah. I miss like Carol Radzowell, you know, yeah, like when I also think too, like, you know, and this is not in any way trying to age shame or say that there needs to be like an age cap on the housewives. But like when Roni first started, the women were like in their thirties and forties. And by the end of it, they were in their sixties. And like, that's just a very different vibe. Um, and I just needed something different and something that felt fresher for me personally. I like the older women, so I don't have a problem with the age. I think it was just there. They weren't really showing us their real lives fully. And like Ramona's not telling us who she's dating, who she's hanging out with. Like it's all just the same sort of thing over and over. You know, Sonia hasn't gotten past her trauma of her like very short marriage like in the townhouse well, I think concert, kind you know. of like what we were talking about before about like how you know it can go from being ve- about like their lives and their you know their homes and their families and all that to then just kind of being about like almost nonsense and i think that roni is like a really good case study for that where in the beginning it was really about these socialites or these like really to do women and like their home lives and their families and what they were all doing individually but the last several seasons, it it what it was about them fighting, but not even really fighting. It was more about them like squabbling. Like there weren't any like real. I feel like Bethany and Carol was the last like true like feud on Roni, and then from there it was kind of just like little squabbles at like drunken dinners, and that was that, you know. And but there was no substance. I was always on Team Carol. Very firmly and loudly and i well now everyone is bethany has i don't know what the fuck is going on with the she, she has is always, unraveling she doesn't know how to have friends she's the kind of person that does not know how to have an actual relationship that's not transactional well that's Except why she for with like sympathizes with raquel so much and she's like raquel you also don't know how to have friends and she's like wanting to defend oh i'm sorry rachel she's like wanting to defend rachel so much now as as like oh you were abused and you were like ostracized from the group but it's like no rachel was the problem just like you bethany are the problem like you guys She's are not the, the victims problem here. the fact that she got upset at carol for being distant from her when carol was consoling a friend that lost her husband yeah like do you not realize that she's actually doing something else? And this has nothing to do with your friendship. It's not that she's purposefully not hanging out with you. She is tending to a different friendship that needs her at the moment. So, okay. Um, okay. What did you think about Jessel telling her mom about IVF? I, I was kind of confused. Like why didn't I didn't really understand why she didn't tell her from the get go because she made it sound like her mom, like wouldn't understand or wouldn't approve, but her mom was very, uh, approving and sympathetic. So unless I missed something there, I was a little confused. I was confused as well. I think she maybe thought her mom would be too worried and then like jump on a plane and then it's like, okay, this process takes years. Right, <laughs> you know, right, I can't right, right. have you like hanging out here the whole time. For or sure. if she thought her mom would contribute to gossip, not meaning to, but just telling her 
friends or other family members and then it becomes a thing. I don't, I'm right. not sure which, which I get that, is. but I think then you still tell your mom, but you just like have that conversation and say like, you have to keep this between us. I mean, we had to do that with, um, my husband's mom and like, because she's, she just like loves to run to social media and like, we'll send her a picture and like two seconds later it's posted like before we've even posted it anywhere, had a chance to say like, don't post it, whatever. So we had to tell her, please like let us, lead when it comes to our kids. So I think she should have told her mom what was going on um, and just said like, you know, please don't tell anyone, please don't like share this until we're ready to share it. Please like let us go through this on our own. And like, we'll tell you when we need help, whatever. But I think she did herself a disservice for like not having that support when she did. I think so too. I think it's really important to have that support and it not just be your husband because he's also going through it. And every time something goes wrong, it's upsetting for him too. And he has no control, just like how you have no control, you know, it's, it's complicated. Um, Aaron being upset with Cy for leaving the party early and not being able to get over um, Bryn joking about, her and Abe getting divorced. Yeah. So this is why I think I'm liking Roni so much is because I like, like all of them and I see everyone's point of view. Like I get why Sai left cause she needed to eat, but I also get why that's annoying to the host. And I also get why Bryn thinks she was just making a funny joke because clearly that is her personality, but I also get why it's annoying and, and rude and overstepping to Aaron. Like I get all everyone's POV. And I think that that's what makes a really good um, reality show, particularly a housewives show. Like I don't like the seasons where I personally am like very divided and like, I hate that one. And I love that one. Like that becomes very stressful for me to watch. You know, I prefer it when I'm like, I kind of like them all, (laughs) you know? Yeah, no, I definitely understood. I felt like Bryn didn't mean it to come across the way that it did, but it is worrisome for me just in general that she doesn't seem Mm -hmm. to know how to communicate without flirting. Like she, it's almost like she doesn't know. She doesn't know how to talk to a child. She doesn't know how to talk to someone that is a colleague. She doesn't know how to talk to a man that is someone that she's not trying to sleep with. Like that is very concerning. And I don't think it's a joke. I think she truly made herself flirt all the time so people would like her and think she's yeah. cute and sweet but it it's so immature and it just shows like how much support i think she still needs to feel confident in the fact yeah. that she is an adult totally yeah and so that's i i completely agree and that's why i think like i don't think it was a personal thing i don't think no. she actually was trying no. to hit on him but i i i think it's just who she is and that doesn't excuse it but i i you know i think it gives light to it it's just her life is so confusing to me because we meet this ex-boyfriend gideon who seems beautiful and kind and wants to be with her and she's and just like rich yeah and rich. <laughs> did we mention rich i was and waiting she's for that like one. i'm not ready to be a wife i'm like well why don't you work on that? You found such a great man. Yeah. Like who you like enough to be with for five years and still hang out with. Yeah. I think it's so interesting in those types of dynamics. Like if you're in a relationship with someone like for me, I've always felt like if I'm dating you, like obviously if we're dating for a month, I'm not going to treat you like we're married. But if I'm in a serious relationship with you, what's the difference if we're like in a long-term relationship versus if we're married? Like I'm still like, I'm still 
going to show you the respect of being your partner. I'm not going to cheat on you either way. I'm going to expect you to like come home to me either way. Like my husband and I were splitting our finances before we got married, like all of those things. So for me, when we like put a ring on it, it really didn't make any difference in our day-to-day lives. So it's interesting to me that she clearly dates in a way that she believes is so vastly different than what she would have to be as a wife, you know? Um, like she, oh. she clearly thinks that like, once she becomes a wife, like everything in the relationship has to change. Everything in her life has to change. But for me, it was like nothing changed. We just had like a really fun party and now we get a tax break. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I think she always wants an exit strategy. And it, yeah. she views marriage as not being an exit strategy. Something She says, yeah. something I want to do once. I don't want to get divorced. And... So the question is, why do you always feel like you need to make an escape? Right. And would you be willing to be with this man and not be legally married and still live together and maybe even start a family together? Like, is that easier for you? Or maybe he wouldn't be okay with it? I don't know. But there's so many ways to make things happen. It just feels like, I hope we get to see her maybe work on some of her like internal things a bit um but then if she gets married maybe she has to stop flirting so much because it's weird like it's it's odd it's not funny i don't think it's like why are you talking to people like that it's like you what's your real voice you know (laughs) hi (laughs) you know i'm like god damn it who are you you know and maybe she doesn't know who she is um, uh, and maybe then, watching herself on yeah. the show will help with that. I think a lot of first time housewives or reality stars, they see themselves and then they're like, oh, shit, that's what I sound like. Yeah, we'll see. I don't want her to change too much. I don't want any of them to change too much because I can't stand when they come back a second season and are a completely different right. human being, a.k.a. Wendy Osefo. Still not over it. Still frustrated by it. Dr. Um, Wen. Oh, my God. <laughs> so frustrated. And then any thoughts on Psy? Because she's the one that I can't connect with. Love her husband and family, but I think she's me. She's my least favorite. Um, I feel like if you're like that picky about food or you have that many food restrictions, just like bring a snack in your purse. Right. Stop complaining about it. I don't know. I didn't like like weird. That's said this thing about Jenna's name where Jenna had to then like share. It's like you're always bringing up like Jenna's clearly more guarded. So... What, you're just well, she has more to, to lose yeah. than any of these other women. That's I mean, she's true. the only one that came in with like some some bit of notoriety. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the only one of them that's ever actually experienced like having your name in the tabloids. Having like she, I mean, she was like literally outed by like m- the major media. That's a that's crazy, you know. So like, if she wants to keep some things guarded i'm okay with that you know Mm i i'm i'm not of the like of the belief that these women need to show us every single piece of their lives i do not think that like i think when they sign up for these shows they are choosing to show us a part of their lives as it pertains to the show and this group of women and like what you would show with any of your friends. Like if I'm on a show about my group of friends, that's what it's about. And it's about me sharing my life with that group of friends. But there are some things that are just between me and my family, you know? And I think that that is how it is in real life. And I think that that's okay on the shows too. I think so too. I just don't like when they become hypocritical where they're hiding something from the camera, but then trying to push someone else like 
all the stuff going on with like Candace and Chris and people trying to push that narrative, but it's actually happening in your life, you know, like that kind of stuff. I don't like. Exactly. And I think there's a certain amount that you're, that you do have to share with us as the audience, like with Shannon and your relationship, either you actually have a vault where you talk to one person, but if you're talking to every single person, it's not a vault anymore. Exactly. Well, and so that's what I'm saying. It's like clearly in Shannon's real life, she talks to her friends about these things. It's not a secret. And so then when it comes up on the show and she's like, I don't ever talk about this. It's like, yeah, bitch, you do. (laughs) And then when she says it so easily, like his kid hates me. (laughs) Right. Just throws it out there. Yeah. And I mean, it's in the news. (laughs) It's all in the news that they like get fights, get into fights at restaurants and stuff. Like, it's just, I don't know. You can't hide it, Shannon. It is what it is. And why would you, part of me that I will never understand is why anyone would try and pursue someone that does not want them. Like if a guy says he's not into me, why would I want to keep trying to pursue him? He's already let me know that I'm not important to him. So like, therefore he will not be important to me. I will not continue trying to make it work. Like I just won't. It's just, it all shuts down for me. I agree. Like I, I like would, when I was single, I would only date people who were like obsessed with me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I mean, it worked out really well for me. Not for for all of them, but it worked out well for me. Like, I think you should want to be people want to be with someone that wants to be with you. And if someone doesn't want to totally. be with you and you're into the chase, figure out why you feel like you always need to be chasing someone. Amen. So. All right. Amen. Well, thank Amen. you. I've taken so much of your time as in <laughs> no, it's you know, fine. new this dad. So fun. Love chatting okay. with you. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can, you know, on social media, when you might be back with your podcast, like all the yeah. things going on in your life. Yes, definitely. So I'm I'm going to get back to the podcast soon. It's one of those things where it's like once you stop, it's kind of hard to get back into it. But I really want to, especially because I stopped at the beginning of June and I have not had a chance to do any recaps on Orange County. And it is my favorite city. So I really want to get back to doing my recaps before the season winds down because I have a lot of thoughts, a lot to say, a lot of Heather Dubrow defending to do. You know so, me. Um, I'm a Heather Dubrow yeah, fan. I know. I know. We're the the Dubrows, B-R-O's. B-R-O's. <laughs> um, but so I, yeah, my podcast should be back um, and you can find it wherever you stream podcasts. It's called Blonde Hair Black Heart. If you haven't listened, go back and check out some of my older episodes. I actually interviewed Heather Dubrow at the beginning of June um, so for exciting. a very special Pride episode. So we talk all about uh, her her being the parent to queer teenagers and just why pride was important and LGBTQ rights. And then we also talk a little bit about this season of RHOC. So it's a good one. Um, and then find me on social media at Blonde Hair Black Heart. Do you, did you ask her like off camera whether or not anything about her son Ace is going to be shown this season? So we talked about it a little bit actually on the episode and and basically what she said is that the reason why it even came up on the show last season is because it was already like out there and being discussed. So she wanted Ace to have his like his chance to kind of just like say it and clear the air and like then just kind of let it be. So mm-hmm. I think at this point it's something where it was addressed because it kind of needed to be addressed but now 
they're just going to let it. I mean, it, it's, it is what it is. I don't think it's something that they're going to um, make into like a quote unquote storyline. And then similarly, yeah. that scene from last season with Kat, where she talks about like her um, pride flag that she had and, and how like people online were like making fun of her and stuff. Heather told me that like, she had no idea that Kat was going to bring that up on camera. Like they were, you know, scheduled to have a scene, but she didn't know that that was going to be discussed. And so again, it was one of those things where like, she kind of took their lead and let them, you know, decide when and if they wanted to discuss it. That makes sense. I really admire her for um, the kind of parent that she is. And it takes a lot of bravery to do what she's doing publicly in such this kind of environment where people are attacking families of trans kids and accusing them of all sorts of horrible things. The comments I got on my like social media posts, I shared some clips of that episodes or that episode. And like the comments that I got were awful. And so it, it was just a little taste of what she gets all the time in just trying to be a good mom and like do right by her kids. So yeah, I have a lot of love and respect for her. Even if you're not a Heather Dubrow fan, um, the, the episode isn't super like RHOC leaning. It's really mostly about, you know, her, her work as an advocate and as a mom and all of that. So I, I definitely recommend taking a listen. Oh, that's such a good reminder. Well, thank you so much for being on and we'll have to catch up with you again soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun.